Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yachtcast for March 14th, 2022. Featuring poet Deborah Kwan leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic formerly held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. Since the annoying dawn of COVID, we've been hosting the Yop virtually via Zoom. For more information and to sign up, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Deborah Kwan, Stella Lee, Arthur Russell, Bridget Duffy, Seth Leeper, Bonnie Belay, Frank Rubino, Evans Pemba, Will Kiever, Vale Larkin, Rebecca Hertz, Kim D. Brandon, Morgan Boyle, Bill Livingston, Arden Lees, Ahmed Zaid, Desiree Rucker, Gabe Perpera, and last but not least, all the way from South Korea, our office manager, Jay Eason. So, let's get right to it, the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for March 14th, 2022. Enjoy. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Now that we've stopped at the first recording and begun the second, uh, we are ready to kick off the second half of the YOP with our open mic portion. Um, I would uh, advertise Debbie's upcoming workshop, but uh, it's been sold out for a while, so uh, uh, you can't sign up for that anymore, but uh, you can put yourself on the wait list if you're interested. Uh, She's leading a pretty uh interesting workshop called addiction let me get the title right addiction intention and the heroic revision uh doesn't really get more interesting than that title (laughs) so if you want to check it out uh go to uh brookenpost.org and uh you'll find that workshop under uh level two um a couple of announcements before we begin the open mic uh every month we feature a (laughs) what I'm saying we don't feature anything every month we vote on poem of the month and uh the 12 winners of poem of the month over the course of the year face off at the end of the year for poem of the year honors I think most of you that are regular yoppers already know this and the way to vote for poem of the month is by texting me at 718-374-1953 I will put this in the chat right now and repeat it again at the end but if you see this in the chat you might write this down if you don't already have my number Please wait until the end of the open mic to vote for the poet. Uh, we will be screen sharing the text of the poems during the open mic, and uh, you will see the poems before you on screen with the poet's name. So um, all you need to do is tell me the poet's name, and that is your vote. We also record the YAWP open mic every month as a podcast that we publish as the YAWPcast. Uh, that's available on iTunes and other places that you may get your podcasts. Uh, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast on iTunes as that will help more readers find the uh, open mic, especially if you rate us five stars. Which I think we got one more after I <laughs> after I uh, said last time that we hadn't gotten any more reviews since the pandemic began. So whoever did that, I appreciate it if you're here tonight. Um, and I think uh, that is all. So uh, before we get to the open mic proper, we're going to hear some poems by our featured reader tonight, which is Deborah Kwan. So give it up digitally for Debbie. Thanks, Jason. Um, so I'm going to read 
three poems tonight. The first one is called Ordinary Miracle. Ordinary Miracle. The fog and the sleet this morning are boring a hole into my jittery heart. I don't say when I return from the grocery store how again, by some ordinary miracle, I made it home. How I considered ducking underneath the pops of heat, the rapid fire pounding my eardrums, or imagined myself crouching like cornered prey just behind the tuber bin. The tubers not screaming, the onions rolling past the wheels of an abandoned cart. I don't talk about the table of apple rhubarb pies I considered overturning if it came to that. How ready I was to drop to the ground, heavy as a frostbitten door. When will it come to that? One day in America, you might think to ask me. One day when I drop you at school and kiss your head, your hair, its sweet biscuit scent already a pleat of grief. You will ask me and I will dispense some lie. But today is not that day. Today you are safe at home and your father has just fed you. And when you catch sight of me, you practice your wave, opening and shutting your fist in the weighted air. Your nose and chin and eyes are splattered with dark red berry puree as you kick your feet in your high chair. And of course, I won't say it aloud. I would never say it aloud. What first impression it made as it tore my breath from my throat. And this one's called Midlife. I have wandered into a future dressed in the identical clothes of the past. It is November again in the city I used to call home. All the afternoons I worked a job near Lincoln Center and circled these blocks on my lunch hour alone, spying principal ballet dancers smoking in the dirty steps down to the train and nodding to them, though we were strangers in at least one direction. All my past lives unfold an accordion of paper dolls trembling in daylight, a loneliness like a music box. There I am, hands shoved deep in my pockets, black down coat, hat lined with rabbit fur. I'm not married yet, I do not have children, and foolishly I think I have so much time. Why is the middle of a life so hard? Because you realize you have always wanted too little or because you realize you have always wanted too much. When the rain starts inch by inch, note by note, it is all the news I can bear. And this last one is called Reputations or After Trying to Imagine My Daughter at 18. You should know he might come sniffing at your dormitory door late one stormy May night as hounds are wont to do. But this hound you know, and you're not even the least bit afraid. You can hear his fingers rifling in from the whinge and bang of your mail slot because your vaunted halls are archaic like that. Bronze stars nailed outside the windows of rooms young men decades before left abruptly to answer the call of their dying. Gothic doors so heavy they leave you breathless. 
Down the hall, your good girlfriends will try to steer him away. She's asleep, you'll hear them hiss, feigned conviction thick. You should go home, you're drunk. But of course he doesn't. He'll chant your name like it's sport. Until you let him into the railroad car of your single. Desk here, chair opposite. Width of your room, the long twin bed exactly. And there the two of you will crawl, moles groping the dark dirt of each other's bodies, his curls damp with weather and beer. How unfortunate that tonight you chose the circus-striped nightshirt, but lucky at least for your favorite white cotton underwear, panel of lace, where it matters. And so it is here that he finds you, under a string of technicolor lights hotly blinking and how he finds you. You allow yourself one, two, 10 minutes, throat bared, heart racing to God, before the faraway trial of easy stops you dead. No, no, you can't indulge and need this good, even if it arrives on a room service platter and overtakes your soft welcome bed or presses its mouth to your door, all mischief and fresh black rain. You're just a pretty girl, and hounds you've learned do talk. All right. Thanks very much, Debbie. These are fantastic poems. Uh, I haven't uh, seen any new poems from you in a while, so this is a special pleasure for me. If you don't know Debbie's work, I encourage you to buy her books. You didn't Thanks. sneak in another book after Lunch Porches, did you? Nope, still working on that one. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to say there was a, that was your last book, if there was another one after that. Yeah. Uh, she got a great last book with Book and Arts Press called Lunch Portraits, and uh, a book before that was Saturnalia Press called uh, Crossing or Shing. Uh, how, do you, how do you pronounce that book title, Debbie? Or does it? Yeah, it's both, both, Jason. Thank you. That was awesome. You knew both. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I'm not, I'm not, always, I'm not always right. Your homework. But I try. <laughs> um okay thanks very much debbie we are on to the open mic list uh just a, a word about this because we've seen a couple of questions about this uh, the open mic lineup does fill rapidly there's a lot of readers that want to read for the open mic we don't have time for everyone otherwise we'd be here all night of course um if you want to sign up for the next one uh the sign i think emily blair is working on setting it up right now uh the sign up clock usually begins at the end of the open mic but uh it's usually open a little bit before that so you can keep checking <laughs> and uh, I think probably around 8 30 it will be live on, a, on Eventbrite and on our site uh, but uh, I encourage you to sign up as, as quickly as possible because usually within a day it's already full and uh, if you don't get an email conf confirmation from me uh, within the week before the next open mic that means uh, you're, you're like on the wait list because um, everyone who's on the advanced list uh, gets an, a confirmation from me. Okay, uh, we are on to our next reader, Stella Lee. Uh, and this poem looks very exciting to me already. Thank you. <laughs> Let's go for it. Right. Notes from a Korean's wife. I didn't come up making this food. Didn't grow up with this taste that flickers in my mouth. Didn't know how it can linger or dance. It's strange and delicious flavors filling my belly. A warmth that sizzles way past the meal but I know this recipe well. Cut the bechu into bite-sized sections. 
Fill the largest pot we own with water, so cold it wraps between my bones, fuses in my joints, lingers with that icy burn on the hands. Remember, you must always use your hands. Mix the ingredients with fingers and palms. Give warmth and work with the imprint of your lifeline, the ridges of your fingertips, as they move in a motion that spells love. Pour enough salt to remind the water what it was like to be a part of the ocean. Bring back that memory from before it flowed through the faucet, refined, tamed, pacified. Place the cuts of fechu into this bath and make sure they sink down. Press them down, make them sink, drown in water so the salt transfers, fills each cell, sucks out the extra water, makes the cells shrink and let, that, let the small magic begin. I measure garlic, nine cloves, ginger, a nub, onions, two, salt, nine tablespoons, and one teaspoon sugar, soy sauce, half a cup, gochukaru, only half a cup, even though I want a full cup. It's red, like a mouth that howls at the moon, just like the way heat should pick up in the belly, sweet and spicy the way I like my tongue and throat to taste. Mix two tablespoons of chapsun garu with one third cup vegetable stock and one tablespoon of sugar. I let the mixture to cool, the glue to bind all ingredients together. I blend the garlic, ginger, onion, salt, and sugar, mix together flavors into a fiery paste, cut thin into matchsticks as my hands begin to swell, carrots and scallions and Korean radish and leeks to taste. I mix and blend all these ingredients, hands stained red, spice prickling into skin, red, like the red I have seen in the depths of bonfires of summer nights, red like the way you still kiss me when we make love, red in the way only blood knows how to mix with water, red on the fingers as I mix and pray, mix and pray, ask your ancestors to visit, Place their blessing on this food. Bring their spirits to fuel the fire. Make this food laced with memory, dedication, love, and learning. I work my hands over and over again. Make kimchi alone without the women gathering in the house. Alone in a kitchen in Brooklyn, far from the familiar air you used to breathe. Mix to give you something that feels quotidian in your mouth. I make this alone my ritual, remind myself that this too is a part of my coming up. Okay. Well, I'm going to say I love that poem. <laughs> I think I'm uh, pretty much its target audience. Uh, well done. As Joe said, it just makes me really hungry. I think I'm literally watering. <laughs> my mouth is literally watering right now, especially since I had a very light lunch and uh, that was like a long time ago. So, uh, and I don't have any Korean food in the house. I just have some kimchi, so that's that sucks. Uh, but uh, thanks, Stella. <laughs> uh, appreciate it, as always. Great poem. Uh, and the uh, being hungry is just a side effect that is fine. <laughs> Our next poet tonight is the one and only Arthur Russell. Arthur, I'm sorry, I, didn't, I only got your email about the, the late change to your poem. So this is the one that you sent before. Sorry, I was muted. Yeah, I understood. I sent it to you later. I didn't uh, didn't change too much. I'll just read a couple of changes from it. And thanks, Debbie, for a great um, a great prompt. Got a lot out of it. 
um, just have to uh, get to my, co my copy of this. Oh gosh. Um, hey, Jason, can you come back to me next? Would that be possible? Yeah, sure, no problem. I appreciate it. Okay, uh, let's go to our third reader tonight, uh, Bridget Duffy, and then we'll loop back to Arthur. I sin so much and so often that I don't for even a moment consider unpacking all my faults for some visiting priest. Instead, I select one modest offense, months old but sufficiently wicked. I shot a neighbor boy with a water gun, even though he had already asked me to stop. The Franciscan smiles. Franciscans always seem to smile. It makes me squirm. Years ago, we would have had this conversation alone together in a musty darkness, but the confessionals have long since been converted into mother's rooms. I cannot decide if this is better or worse. Penance is easy. This must be a system for those comfortable with their spot in heaven. I am not so sure. I say my 10 Hail Marys under my breath, uncurling a finger to mark each amen. The kneeler's cushion does not provide me with much comfort. I figure this is just the price of absolution. Out the church doors and around the corner, I visit her in her quiet grotto. It's not much of a statue, just painted cement and it's chipping, but I like the tranquil smile she wears as she crushes the air out of a serpent with her bare feet. She has unusually long toes. I would tell her my sins, my real ones, but I think she already knows them and is uninterested. In kindergarten, I was not chosen to climb the ladder and place the May flowers on her head. I had to stand by and sing, oh Mary, we crown thee with blossoms today with the rest of the class while the prettiest girl presented our Hawthorne wreath. But I do not consider this her fault. So we have stayed friends. In later years, her grotto will be demolished to make way for a gathering space, a room to eat donuts in. She will be demoted, placed in a squat hut on the parish lawn, though they will plant her a garden as consolation. All this will take place years after my last confession. But in this moment, there is only she and I and the still of this crumbling place. Okay, fantastic. Poem as always, Bridget Duffy. Uh, you have me at the first line. I love this first line. I sin so much and so often. You pretty much can almost not write a uh, not can almost like, I do. You, can't, you can't write a bad poem after that. It's just such a loaded <laughs> first line. Uh, although I can imagine the actually, I'm going to take that back. I can imagine that poem going really badly after that, but you just kill it after that. Um, okay, great stuff. Thank you. Oh, I forgot. We got to go back to Arthur. Sorry, Arthur. <laughs> Let's go back for a second. Do you have your poem up now, Arthur? I have it. I just had to unmute. Okay, great. Again. So um, I'm trying to do this. And then this. It's called Andrea from Burlington. That more than heart, that hearth, her ribs and breast, which powder warm one summer night, she pressed incessant here beside my own. 
became my home. That pillow-hogging, thuggish hair and ginger skeins that tangled long and lazy-framed her daring, fair, and forest thick with freckles face, my fall from grace. That lemur, limber length of long white arms and narrow wrists and speckled, tapered, barely knuckled fingers laced on summer knees on her front stoop, awaiting me with cold Chablis. Her quarter sawn and copper flecked, cambium quick and morning fresh, ocean irised, gorgeous moss green eyes, my enterprise. Her Florida shaped, peninsular chin, her queenest joint that dimpled points towards conflicts she would meddle and if need be fight a naval war to win my swig of gin. If not that we had shot the falls with Jersey battles fierce as Washington at Trenton, seething, head on, harsh as frozen needle spray thrown up by river crashing cannonballs and damned it all, that hair, those eyes, those arms, that chin, that heart, that hearth, that battle bruise, that leaving lost, I would again, I would again the autumn of her red hair enter, wet with rain and orange burning, one more turning. All right, thanks very much, Arthur. I like your changes too. Uh, great hyphenated compound adjectives, especially in that, the middle of that poem. Uh, and so, so we could use a rhyme. Okay, thanks very much. Let's go back. I think we are now at Seth Leeper. Uh, go for it, Seth. All right, thanks. Good to see everyone. Uh, thanks for wonderful workshop and these amazing pieces you guys are sharing. This is called Catch and Release. I wasn't there in this photograph one that immortalized you at the wake. You don a shit-eating smile beside yourself. A last try bass dangling from the hook of your index finger. The sun bronzed you from the back, but turned the page, and that's me. Lifting the edges of my mouth, struggling to hold a 30-inch striper, 10 years old and a ratty pink t-shirt, lifeless smile failing to project pride at reeling in the sucker, accomplishing a feat worthy of a Polaroid. The catch is nearly the length from my hip to my toe and fast becoming an anchor about to pull me into the deck of the boat. I persist because it is mine. I hoard it with fantasies of rosemary, salt, and butter on a grill. But what we don't see in this photograph is the after. You made me throw it back so some other boy could reel it in with his father right behind, cheering and oh-hoing through the battle, the fight that nearly snapped the pole in half, burst my little man biceps, christened me fisherman for a day, despite my long estrangement from the piscary, pre-adolescent rage shaking me as we released it back to the muddy green delta. Okay, thanks, Seth. Thank you. I feel like this joins the long tradition of great poems about fish and fishing. Uh, I don't know what it is about uh, fishing, but it's uh, just a 
time honored time honored subject for great poems. They're they're usually just like great poems too. Um, I love this word, the piscary. What does that mean, actually? I think it's like of and pertaining to like fish and like fishing. <laughs> it's been a while. Like, <laughs> sorry. Well, I like that you've been long been. A, I like that you've you've clearly long been estranged from it. <laughs> um, I was yeah. the kid that was always hawking on the boat, scaring the fish away. So. Yeah. Any like good highlight of me and fishing? I just, I just would love for you to start a conversation at a bar or something next time. Just like, despite my long estrangement from the piscary, <laughs> just <laughs> say anything after that. Just, I love that phrase. It might be a place, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say it the next time you, you go fishing. Um, all right. Thanks very much, Seth. Uh, our next poet, what a joy to have her back. I hope your audio is working now, Bonnie uh bonnie belay is it working it is great to hear your voice okay i had a lot of problems with it before and i don't know why it went off and i don't know why it went on no idea also the screen goes black every once in a while a mystery (laughs) so this poem is fall winter diary i was writing it before covid i stopped writing it because it's about my experience day by day with the world and i didn't have any for a long time Um, And I finally rewrote it and it was uh, published a couple of months ago and it was nominated for the Pushcart Prize. So there I am. Okay. Fall, winter diary. One, late August, sky, fall blue. Summer starts to expire. We eat at a French bistro, blocks from home. I order an omelet. You order a French grilled cheese emblems of privilege. Any block in Brooklyn could be in a foreign country. Costco could be off a highway in Mexico. Deep Brooklyn could be a dream you can't remember when you wake up. The dog sits at our feet, barks once, and turns the table over. Two, cherries ended weeks ago. Peaches over mid-September. Waiting for next year feels like hardship. I bought my fruit soft. I didn't believe it would ripen in my kitchen. There were months not working, years traveling, nothing accomplished. But I saw some of the world. The world is spectacular. My recipes came from a single James Bond paperback, James Beard paperback. I still think, what's the least I can do at eat dinner? Three, a few crimson leaves in the tupelo. Pokeweed berries, deep purple, bright crimson stems. Apples at every stall in the farmer's market. Cool air opens the senses, everything changes. I don't want change, life different every moment. Just as I settle in, a friend dies, another in the hospital for the fifth time. Clodastus lutea turns yellow, asters purple. We walk the dog who tries to sit at every bench because yesterday we sat at a bench. He's very opinionated takes comfort from the sameness of life, from knowing at every point the direction home. I want to take a turn to walk on sun-shattered streets, to eat food bragging of spice. Five, I've lived on the top of the hill for 30 years. I walk down every day under Little Leaf Linden's Kentucky coffee trees, brownstones on either side of the street. I speak to neighbors I've known for decades, watch young mothers with strollers, dogs, groceries, fight their way uphill. I walk to the corner, 
buy bananas, walk to the gym, get on the subway to try to break the hard patterns of my life. I would love to go outside my confines, but subway stairs are difficult. Six, mid-October, garden annuals stand at attention, flowers ravishing, first frosts only weeks away. The garden insists on beauty, demands the admiring eye. On warm days, I sit feeling the joy of grace freely given. Seven, dreadful daylight savings time, dark before five, bare tree limbs leap in the air, leaves fall by the millions, cold and more cold. Puffy jackets, never this, gloves never the two the same. Euphorbia diamond frost collapses in window boxes. Begonia flowers and stems blacken. But the cold sky glows at sunset. Eight, drive to Bush Terminal. On one side, abandoned factories. To the east, New York Harbor. We came to see the sunset, walk into the fierce sun, sitting low in the sky, loop around the park. But we've misjudged. Too cold to make another loop. We drive home, the sun setting without us. Nine, trees around the meadow are stripped. In the woodlot, the wind is weaker. Yellow maple leaves sparkle, unwilling to let go. X calls, says her body's breaking down. She's depressed. I tell her she's over 70, and that's the way it is. I call back to say sorry. I feel every wrinkle in my ruined skin, curse every age spot on my face. Death sits in the dark waving at me. 10. We leave the city in a snowstorm, the air dense with snow, Brooklyn still not visible from the Brooklyn Bridge. Okay, I just want to make sure there wasn't more. No, it's a, uh, that's, I apologize that was about the end. That. Brooklyn's still not visible. Uh, don't worry, I'll edit it out from the podcast. It'll, <laughs> okay. sound, like, it'll sound like you just read the whole thing through. Uh, well, what a joy to, to hear your work. I love this project. Um, that uh, we heard from many times when we were doing the Yop and Yes. So it feels like we've returned in some ways to our yes. former joyful lives. I love this line in particular. Where is it? I sit feeling the joy of grace freely given. I feel like that's a good description of how it feels to listen to your poems, Bonnie. So uh, thank you. Yeah. Good of you to articulate the experience of listening to your poems <laughs> for all of us. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, glad to see you again, Bonnie. Thanks. Our next reader tonight is Frank Rubino, one of the proud red wheelbarrow poets from New Jersey. How are you, Frank? Uh, I'm mute. That's all right. No, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, all right. Go for thanks it. Thanks for the chance to read this. Um, and thank you for the great uh, workshop, Debbie. It was, it was really cool. Um, this is called Speech for 10,000. Everybody wanted to live on Daly Street with Nikki, Paul, Graf, and Steve. They were anti-Italian, but only because the worst of the Italian were bullies. And these guys were uncowed. In the age of disco, Nikki's dad had a house full of jazz LPs. No book ever lent for a school project came back from Nikki's, nor umbrellas for his household including grandpa who called jazz bang, bang, wheeze, wheeze, was a cosmopolis of brothers, sisters, and players who crashed there sometimes and would in due course abscond with a book or need the umbrella. My friends on Daly Street tempered my self-involvement, 
ridiculed my worries and put an arm over my shoulder. You do unbend your noble strength to think so brain sickly. As part of their gang, I could defy mean jerk-offs who hung around Mr. Sub and if I walked alone, would shake me down or beat on me. The Daily Street gang and I, we'd laugh at their pants. You can't laugh with impunity at a guy's pants. But we did, everybody. We guffawed and made fun of their locutions when they bragged about sex. One of them purported to have learned a new word for pussy. We did not accept their slang, their dominion over the small, their terror tactics, their war against the weak, their pummeling of the fat and their stranglehold on the skinny. We derided, disavowed, and sometimes even bum-rushed them and split their stupid heads. I've never spoken before in front of such a large audience in such a large hall, 10,000 of you. In fact, yesterday when we did my run through here and it was vast and empty as the cave of the winds, I was told something an obese man never hears. I never hear it from my wife. I never hear it from anybody. I was told to, on the football field of this stage, be bigger. My Aunt Elaine was bigger, had scoliosis, spent the blizzard of 47, 48 in the hospital for crippled children. They cut her out of one body cast and put her right into another body cast. She was 10, and they said if she wanted to wear high heels in her future, she needed a third body cast. And she tells me now at age 90, for high heels, I was willing, and it would always be willing. She and the other immobilized girls in the ward figured out how to bounce their beds together to play paper dolls. The ward's nurse Klein happened to live on my grandmother's block. Several times my grandmother made pasta for nurse Klein to bring into the ward for all those girls when visitors were not allowed. I think of that bowl of pasta today covered with a clean dish towel, future looking. Every time I walk across the seal, because you walk across the seal to enter CIA headquarters, I think of the Daly Street gang. How if my grandmother had still been alive, she'd have cooked them a future looking bowl of pasta and exhorted them, exhorted us, ladies and gentlemen, for we have the job now to break those bullies' faces. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Frank. Great stuff. Thanks. Great message. Um, kind of a and, foreign policy poem. Yeah, and I see you have, you've got the background to match the poem. The whole package. The background was, and, uh, and then uh, it was revealed at the end of the poem. So nicely done. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Uh, I'd like to make fun of these guys' pants myself. <laughs> <laughs> right. Our next poet is Evans Pemba, which uh, I think it may be your first time reading for the open mic. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Um, 
Can can everybody hear me? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. My name's Evans. Thank you for the Welcome. for the honor of letting me read. Um, I'll I'll jump right in. Um, this is called I, I Mistook. Um, I I wrote it uh, during uh, Black History Month. I mistook. I took breathing for granted till a cop said I couldn't, and when I kicked and I flailed, he kneed my throat harder. I was less than subhuman, a black, mamba, a black mamba mannequin. When I wheezed, he was pleased. He switched knees with such ease. He'd done this before. He'd do this some more. And as I choked, he cracked jokes, his badge blinking at the sun. I took freedom for granted until I suddenly wasn't. You cuffed, kicked, and noosed me for being just me, a bro in a hoodie and a hood that ain't his. And as you led me away, you called me vile names, a shit and a shit house from a shit holy country. But the trees looked away and folded their tree limbs. Mother nature refused to, to bless your base handiwork. If you want to lynch him, use your own goddamn limbs. I took America for granted until she, said, until she built this glass wall between me and my blonde blue-eyed blue neighbor Paul. I pounded and scratched at it till my, fist got, till my fists got all raw. Then it suddenly dawned on me, man, you're in a race war and you're pounding and scratchings against the damn law cause protesting's forbidden this side of the fence. The feds will pepper then punch you, then claim self-defense. I took the constitution for granted as I lived and let, as I lived and let live. Then out of the blue, I couldn't be me. Couldn't love who I loved or let them love me. Couldn't say how I see it or see it to say it. Instead, I'm a hostage to your expectations. Sacrifice at the cross of your God of love. It's so bad I now covered death by the COVID. At least that fights versus a virus that no one can see. And when it chokes me, it does so surreptitiously. I took Uncle Sam for granted until they knocked him for kneeling and sullying their stars, sorry, and sullying the stars that spangled their banner. They panned his politics and then shat in his hat. They harangued and harassed him when he dared decide to do different. If they could do that to Sam, they could do it to me. For I am Sam with a tan. Oh yes, Sam, I indubitably am. It's just that you haven't shat my shabby hat yet. Thank you. Okay, wow, Evans, what a great poem to uh, introduce yourself to uh, this audience. Um, love it, love what you're doing with sound, love what you're doing with rhyme, and uh, obviously the message is powerful. Um, please come back and read for us again. That was wonderful. Thank you. Okay, uh, we are on to our next reader, which is Will Kiever. Will, how's it going? Hey all, good to see you. Um, Go this is it. called uh, another, another little American poem, but I guess from the blonde haired, blue eyed uh, neighbor, Paul. This is American Heartbreak. Uh, after losing my smartphone to a Delaware thunderstorm, I had to rekindle my relationship with MapQuest and library printers if I was going to make it to the Oregon coast. 
The directions were like prayers and their evidence of the unseen. The silence in the Elizabethtown library reminded me of a Catskill monastery. After the storm, I treated paper with care as if it had a pulse. But like all prayers, paper has its limits. It didn't say where to pick sage along the continental divide, when to check the inky dipstick, how to change a cracked alternator. It didn't show the dead zones where the scanning radio rambles like a stopwatch. I passed through Jackson where the Tetons bless passing pilgrims and through Mojave with a hitchhiking jazz musician who told me out there all water is holy, but never asked for the bottle. We were powered by tangerines, cigarettes, and sunflower seeds. We found nothing every day of the week. Sometimes we stayed in motels with white sheets. The nights were spangled indigo. Okay, thank you. Wonderful poem. I was just checking there wasn't a second page. Um, we found nothing every day of the week. Uh, powerful line resonates with me. So it felt like to live in Missouri <laughs> for four years. Um, MapQuest, man, I can't remember the last time I thought about MapQuest, but uh, yeah, the directions were like prayers and their evidence of the unseen. Uh, fantastic line. Uh, thank you very much, Will. Uh, I've seen the, the Grand Tetons before, a long time ago with my dad. Uh, we are on to the brilliant Vale Larkin. How are you doing, Vale? I'm good. I'm in a brand new house. All right. Is it nice? Do you like it? Yep. And uh, and this is where I'll be staying because I'm immunosuppressed. And for millions of people in America, we are either in our houses or risking our lives on a daily basis. So that's what this poem's about. Wishes for the pre-existing. I wish you to understand how it felt when my body, unbidden, unprompted, began to break down, and slowly or suddenly or both all at once, so many things that I loved were now just out of reach. I wish you to understand how it felt the first time I got into a wheelchair after trying and failing to walk for much longer than I should. The air cooling and soothing my body and face, arms pumping, and I moved like something that moves and is alive instead of something restricted to stumbling a short way and then stopping to cry. People think it's a curse to be in one, but from inside, it's a gift. I wish you to understand what it was like the first time someone treated me like I was a child when I was an adult right before I got into the chair. I wish you to understand what it was like the first time I was ghosted as soon as the word left my lips or the new photograph loaded. Watching that bright spark that flared for a moment between the two of us snuffed in the vacuum of their vanishing. I wish you to understand what it is like to have someone tell you you're pathetic and lazy and greedy because something happened to you and you weren't immortal or indestructible or anything that people who say that must be. I wish you knew what it was like to hear on the news that the government is happy that only people like you will die. When it's not even true, it's a lie. It's burgundy whitewash, death masked in the idea of lives that are useless as though we are useless 
or alone in our withering. I wish you knew what it was like to wake each morning, breathe, eat, write, read, listen, and see. How you reel with ideas and information, like the soul of the galaxy pouring into your heart through your senses and mind, and how far you can run and how high you can climb from a chair, reading faces, reading the world, creating. I wish you knew how it felt to hear people cry about their conveniences and hope you die faster. I wish you to understand that this is a choice how you see us. This isn't inevitable. No one created us unloved. I wish you to understand. Thank you, Val. It was an astonishing poem. Uh, I had so many moments in here. Uh, but maybe this third stanza from the end, uh, just devastating. Um, to hear people cry about their conveniences and hope you die faster. Um, yeah, um, appreciate you, Val, and uh, I love your work. Okay, that was Val Larkin, amazing poem. Our next poet tonight is Rebecca Hertz. Wow, Val, that was unbelievable. Right, this poem is called Binging the Laureates. This is not the first time I've been hungry, swallowing the laureates like hard candy. They melt slowly, releasing such sweetness that sometimes, painfully, I recognize that sweetness in myself, in the dawning of a line on the page, my own, yet not my own, belonging to them. Truly, I am the blob of the laureates. I've been devouring them as long as I've known how. Expansive. The more I eat, the more I write. A regurgitation of substance I've continuously taken in. I might have found my own voice. It doesn't matter. I forget it's theirs when I open my mouth. It pours forth this liberty of phrases, all phony, not to them, but to me. Even knowing this, I devour with fervor, always starved. They say it better than I ever have, and the dead do not mind if I steal. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Rebecca. Um, what an enjoyable poem. Uh, I think I have never seen a poem quite like this. Binging the Laureates, just a great, great idea. Truly, I am the blob of the Laureates. Um, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, I was saying in the chat, you need to make a band and uh, call it the blob of the laureates uh, or do something with that. I don't know. Maybe it's, it also sounds like a, like a horror movie involving poets laureate or something. <laughs> uh, that'd be a great horror movie. Um, <laughs> all the dead poets laureates. I, I don't know. I don't know who would finance that film, but 
maybe if there's a wealthy poet out there they can help us out uh our next poet is the uh fantastic kim d brandon how you doing kim i'm good hi everybody um, all right go for it okay i wrote this poem for a friend of mine the journey to four hours wise as the sea is wide your doula old as sand brought you into this life, caught you with her once smooth hands. She knew you before all of us. You told her you were ready to leave. It was your time. The long string of hellos to goodbyes cascaded in webs of ringing telephones. We poured into the small, sparse room where you welcomed us, your tribe, for the last time to breathe you and take whatever we needed. The doula told us it would be soon. It had been four hours since you called, since I gathered everyone near your bedside to hold your hands. We had made our way to wash your feet, to wash your feet, to witness the end of your journey this moment, this fork in the road, this bend without your warmth, your laughter, without the sheer joy you took in each sunrise, without that sparkling twinkling in your eyes, steady my heart to the voids that were coming, anticipate the threadbare days without you. We were not ready. I ask you to call my name, whisper it in my ear so that I could hear it always. When you had uttered each of our names and let go of our hands, it was the child who opened the window, opened the window. You took your cue and hovered above us before sailing away, before sailing away, sailing away. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. Uh, beautiful poem. Uh, and a great tribute to your friend, uh, Kathleen Shannon. Um, okay. Uh, my wife and I just hired a doula to bring our to help bring our child into the world. Uh, I didn't know there were doulas that take you out of the world too. Neither did I. So this is I didn't the, know that. the first time I've I've seen this. So I'm glad you shared this poem. Um, seems like it'd be good to have a doula at the end um okay thanks very much kim uh our next poet of the evening is the one and only morgan boyle who is sure to have another epic poem for us tonight morgan how you doing hello hi <laughs> all right go for it okay um pre and post views on time Broke a hundred at the papaya dog on 6th Avenue, buying a corn dog. There's an article online saying that every hot dog you eat shaves off so many minutes of your life. I tell myself those aren't minutes I would have wanted to live anyway. Decrepit minutes, dying minutes. I tell myself, fuck the minutes. I broke a hundred. I eat the fucking corn dog. 
It's delicious, but you knew that. Everything that shaves your decrepit minutes is delicious. I didn't read the hot dog article beyond the headline. Reading the hot dog article would have shaved off minutes of my non-decrepit life. Perhaps the minutes taken by the hot dog were the exact same as the minutes taken to read that goddamn article. I'm glad I spent them on the hot dog. I'm not paying this much in rent to waste my youth reading about how the quick path to the void is lined with hot dogs. Regardless, I don't think I'm gonna die early. I'm circling the drain of 30 deep in the water tornado of my 20s. I've got dreams. I will eat a banana every day at 30. I will never eat bodega packaged dinner. I'll not lose my wallet and find myself 6th Avenue Saturday night breaking 100 at the papaya dog trying to meet up my shit lover in town who dropped a moped on himself and can't gather his shattered stupid body to meet up and I'm mad now and just out here shaving my life into pieces with a corn dog. Man oh man, 30 is gonna be squeaky clean living. 30 and I'm going to be the type of clean you can hear coming. 30 and if you touch my scalp any day, any time, you won't recoil in horror. 30 and I'm washing my hair now. 30 and I've excavated the morale locked in the basement. 30 and yes, you can enter my apartment and no, I don't have anything to apologize for. 30 and watch me sew myself together, fingers searching for the tight, 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 so tight, they're invisible seams. It's not cash and cards and comically large printed photo IDs bound together in blue rubber bands. It's not spit scrubbing last night's stamps off my wrist, so today's date doesn't know where I've been. Clear my blurry eyes. The end of the wet tornado is in sight. I can feel deeply the pull of the drain. I'm going to be eating hot dogs at 30. Fuck the article. Live forever. We don't fuck, but he kisses me slow and I stay the night. He wants to wait for a minute, he says, and I love watching the way in which he wants me. My body in new territory, I wake up in the year of the tiger, listening to the rats in his walls. Watery morning light, the ocean of his bed, waiting for the toes to scratch themselves out. They're crawling in while we're crawling out. Sun meaning different things to different species. Sorry about your room and I don't know you, but you smell good. I don't know you, but I like how big your hands feel when they hold me. I don't know you, but you wrap me in a robe so stupid delicate that I didn't even realize I was holding my breath. I don't know you, and ever since she killed herself, I've been biting my tongue, biting my time with you. I, held, I hide my self-bit tongue in your mouth a while, and I think I guess that if I go biting, go burying that tongue, we can drown the sound of the rats, physical form as final barrier, and man, I'm using it. These are the semiotics of surreality. When alone, I can blow hot air, try to keep this balloon afloat. The ground doesn't have to exist if I'm too high to see it, yet stalling subterranean with you, I can remove her memory like a coat dropping at your hot doors of time. If I left her on, I'm sweating and I want you wanting me clean. God, I am clean though. 
Before seeing you before work, I wake for 5 a.m. shower, still sunless, scalding and scouring. I am fixed right. It had been five days. Those hair mats were really something to work through, but I'm a conversationalist. That's not part of your narrative. But in your room, what are they? Where are they? Why are they? How did their toes not get tired? How many toes are we dealing with here? Searching for holes, scratching their way in. Perhaps it's best to tear into that drywall, free them down, vomit them out, stare into their glittering eyes, stand in sorrow and shock with you as they scatter, but I know myself. Let me instead buy brick. The exposure of the outdoor indoor is a dumb luck staple of the New York apartment. I am raising the value of your living space. Let me brick your walls, dole the sounds. Together we'll seal the holes. This is the business of killing rats. And someday soon, the toes will stop scratching. Maybe we can languish in silence a while. The last thing left behind. They will leave a palpable smell. For that, I am sorry but it'll fade with time as all things. Okay. Wow. Thank you, Morgan. <laughs> epic as always. I know it's always going to be amazing when we get to these, uh, man, these just like landscapes of poems. Um, yeah. So several people remarked an amazing, amazing shift from section one to section two. Um, yeah, man, what a great use of a corn dog! I don't think I've ever seen so much uh, poetic mileage gotten out of a corn dog before. So, if there's ever a corn dog poem anthology, Morgan, <laughs> like you know, this poem has to be in it. Uh, also, this really makes me want a corn dog, and I wish I had one. But, They're very good. I hadn't yeah. had one in years. I was like, oh, hey, yeah. They're always good. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's on a stick. It's so easy. It's so nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks very much, Morgan. Our next poet, former Yopper of, Yop of the Year, Bill Livingston. It's good to have you back. How you doing, Bill? Good. And, uh, thanks for having me follow that. <laughs> we need to karaoke again, Bill. So, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Uh, soon you'll be singing lullabies instead of Bon Jovi. I can still sing Bon Jovi, bon Jovi when I have a kid, you know. <laughs> Has a lullaby. I'm sure, I'm sure they'll love it. <laughs> All right, go for it. Okay, this is President's Day 2022. I locked the bike next to a table of used videos for sale, reflecting the blueness of IHOP's storefront. If I don't lock it, it will be sold for a $10 rock. Four bikes later, I've learned my lesson. I walk in without a mask, go to the counter, automatically showing my well-worn bags card. Thank you, Mr. Livingston. Hey, there's a whole street named after you right outside. I know, do I get a discount? Sorry, no. Yeah, that never works. Perhaps if my name were Scammerhorn. I prep my coffee like a man who can't accept bitterness in his life in any way, shape or form. I sit and assume my tortured writer's face, which I've been perfecting throughout the entire pandemic in between Zoom faces. I spot the Armed Forces Career Center across the street and remember a time in a former life when I was crawling under barbed wire in, in the mud. Helmet, rifle, two full canteens, fingertips peeling away from rope climbs and crossing a river on a bridge made from a single wire, wire cable. How many have I marched with have died 
in Desert Storm or other wars started on false pretenses? What's inside the killer that makes him want to form sentences in a notebook? Today, I'll remember the good presidents, the idea of decency, the illusion of leadership we're supposed to admire blindly. Though my memories are blades of grass in a hand-me-down meadow, put to sleep each winter or dying under each hoofstep of the moose and deer, fewer and fewer sprouting anew each spring. My passions are old toys desperate for attention, those electronic games your, your big brother never let you touch, wires broken and corroded from a cheap, leaky, non-alkaline battery, waiting to be revived by a repairman that doesn't exist in this lifetime. My death will be a last-minute thunderstorm, stepping over the mountains and turning to wave goodbye. All right. Thanks, Bill. Uh, great poem and uh, great subject, the occasion of President's Day. And uh, you really would be a different poet if your name were Bill Skirmerhorn. <laughs> Although that would be a great poet's name. Uh, I'll change it. <laughs> yeah. You've never gotten a discount for anything in Brooklyn? No. Even shit on Livingston Street? Like, like a coffee shop on Livingston Street or something? Lord knows I've tried. Yeah, that seems unfair. Yeah. Yeah. Well... I hope it changes for you at some point. Okay. Uh, thanks very much, Bill. Thank our you. Next poet, our next poet is Arden Lees. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Is that right, Arden? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. Is this your first time reading for the Yacht? It is. And I feel so uh -huh. lucky to be here. You guys are all like so inspiring. Well, you may not know this, but I'm from Ohio. So I'm very excited for this debut poem tonight. Heck yeah. Okay. There are states now I often forget I've been to, Ohio being one of them. That trip with Christy's speeding ticket and the dinner with your Christian neighbors. Your grandma died, and I sat on the gravel outside a trailer somewhere near Cincinnati and argued with you. Warned by your brother that your anger is what ended things with your ex-girlfriend you'd never even kissed. I don't remember what it felt like. Why I needed so badly to figure things out right then. I think I'd let you be reasonlessly mad at me now had your grandma just died. Perhaps my grace has grown since then, but ironically, I sit alone, you distinctly in hindsight, and what grace have I to speak of? Okay, great poem, Arden. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I love the ending, especially. We've had a lot of mentions of grace tonight, at least it seems that way. And this is another, another great one. I hope your grace has grown too. It's, a, it's a difficult. It's definitely a difficult thing to grow, <laughs> for sure. I'm not sure mine has grown at all, but uh, yeah, I'm sure you. I'm sure you have more than me, or maybe it's a, an Ohio thing that we're graceless. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I'm not even making sense anymore. Uh, thanks very much, Arden. Um, great name, by the way. It really sounds like a poet's name, Arden Lees. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It would definitely be different if it was Arden Skirmer <laughs> right? <laughs> Just like Bill Livingston is a great writer's name. In fact, there's another writer named Bill Livingston, which yeah, Bill, I think you know, he was a sports writer from Cleveland that I grew up with. So when I met Bill Livingston, I was like, that's not the sports writer from Cleveland, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. My, my nemesis. <laughs> yeah. He's retired now, so you can just take over all the Google hits now. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, our next poet tonight is Ahmed Zaid. Am I saying that right, Ahmed? It's Ahmed Zaid. Ahmed Zaid. All right. Glad to have uh, you. Go for it. Thank you so much, Jason. Uh, well, I'll just prefix the poem that it's uh, the title reference uh, the name of a Friday, the first Friday in the Egyptian Revolution in 2011. And so I think that's all you need to know. So the poem is called The Friday of Anger. I miss Mahmoud. Pure confidence. His uneven eyes. One awake. One sleepy. One praying. The other praying. It rained bullets. Bodies dropped on ground. He screamed. His scream shook conference rooms, loaded agendas, thinking tanks. The guns cried, the dead. We pillowed bricks in the middle of highway. Time, a stretchable shirt. That day, tomorrow seemed so far, unreachable. All we had was us from bricks to van to mosque to the apartment we sat speechless in that vacuum that nothing how moments folded neatly settled in cabinet it must be my mother folding me with her prayers thank you Wow, I got, I got chills. Uh, it's incredible, uh, powerful poem, man. I love this form, and I love the way you read it. Uh, you know, speechless. <laughs> so, a time is stretchable shirt. Um, yeah, I'm I'm reduced to you know muttering, <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for that uh, truly remarkable poem. Okay. Hope you're all okay after that. It's, it's just been, I just feel like this open mic has just been every poem now. It's just slaying. Uh, Desiree Rucker, are you with Hiya. us? There you are. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you got your poem in this time. We can hear this poem. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, the poem is titled The Legacy. The last time I saw you, I thought you needed new clothes and that you stood very tall for an old man. No bend in your back, defiance still in your eyes. I have always seen you as a proud son of the South with every right to claim Greenville, South Carolina with pride and every right to look back at Greenville, South Carolina with rage. You are a seaman's son, a farmer's grandson and a slave's great-grandson. You were a boy and a nigger and a coon. And when you claimed your manhood and a bus ticket to the North, you carried that legacy like patches on a world traveler's suitcase. I picture you flailing in the spray of the hoses, taunting the barking dogs, bowing your head for the expected blow. But when you were not there, you were with me in front of our black and white TV. And I felt safe because you were there with me. Was that fear I saw on your face that September morning? I took the school bus to where Italians, as you call them, lived. 
The yellow bus full of black children often learned a white man's words, floating on a road of tears, tar, blood, and feathers. You hugged me so tight that morning. I saw your confusion when you drove me to college in Connecticut. It did look like a plantation, and everyone was white, except me and my roommate. That look before you drove off that asked, you sure? That I waved off, tearing up as your brown O's pulled away. At my graduation, you stood proudly amid all them hundreds of white folks. Yeah, you were right there with them, and nobody calling us names or getting a rope. You were watching your daughter, waving her scroll, proof she was smart, and proof she, we, you were equal, are equal. Last time I saw you, we passed the hours in the sunroom while you chattered. I distracted by my own reverie of regret and anger, could not tell you how I had lost sight of the North Star, how I had names for myself that tore at my flesh and left my heart bruised. You need some new clothes, I thought. When I waved goodbye, I noticed that you stood very tall for an old man with no bend in your back and defiance still in your eyes. Thank you. Oh, amazing poem. Thank you, Desiree. Uh, love it. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I just feel like I'm failing as an MC because these poems are just reducing me to uh, speechlessness. But, uh, I think you're hungry. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I need some kimchi to perk me up. Kimchi and a corn dog will maybe do the trick. But uh, I was almost crying at the end of this second page. And my wife will tell you I never cry. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, even when I tell, even when I do tear up and I say, you know, I cried at that. She's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> it's the pregnancy. I'm going to tell her I almost cried during your poem tonight. And uh, she will say, key word there, Jason, is almost. <laughs> uh, I think we have two poets left. Uh, these are staff members. Uh, Gabe Purpura, one of uh, my fine interns from Quinnipiac University. Gabe, are you with us? Still here, yes. All right. Go for it, my friend. Hello. Um, I tried not thinking about the service. People said it was good and I would grow from it. A chilling thought made me nervous. The rare history and obscure us, change us to numbers. And numbers don't show what people lose in their time in the service. To our great nation, the media circus. We fight wars, but rarely do we actually know why. Freedom, oil, I'm always nervous. They will call us back in and desert us. I can't go back. I will refuse to go. It took me so long to move past the service. I can't tell if I'm better or worse from it. It's the reason I drink and smoke. The anxiety makes me nervous. A young man asked, excuse me, sir, should I join? All I could muster was no. Three weeks ago, he left to join the service. I think that he'll die or become nervous. Okay, Gabe. Great poem. I couldn't help but smile though because I, I see all my comments on your poem. Yeah, no, I see you. Um, uh, I, I, I sent the wrong one. <laughs> oh, uh, writing credit to uh, Jason Koo on this poem. A great rhyme, syntactical flow. I was like, wait a second, is that part of the poem? Um, this is a villanelle. 
For those of you who don't know this form, I'm pretty sure Gabe, you wrote this poem just like on your own. Like I didn't teach this film <laughs> to the class. Gabe just found out about the form and just wrote it on his own. It's the kind of student he is. Yeah, Dylan and, Thomas. Yeah. And it's not an easy form to uh, to execute if you've ever tried. I'm sure many of you have tried it. Uh, it's a form that has slayed many a poet before Gabe, but uh, this is a really strong one. And uh, yeah, next time you should definitely cut my comments out. <laughs> um, they, they fuck up the form, Gabe. <laughs> my comments. All right. Our last poet of the evening is uh, the wonderful Jay Eason, who puts together this poem document every month, uh, right now located in South Korea, where it is literally the next day <laughs> and they had to wake up early just to join us tonight so we appreciate that what time is it over there jay it's 10 20. okay now so that the kind clock, of a reasonable hour now <laughs> now that the clocks have changed i have to wake yeah. up earlier <laughs> we appreciate the sacrifice but it's okay you know <laughs> all right go for it the mountain it's morning News from last night sits in my throat like a weight. Hands sting from burns left by punching my fist against concrete and metal grate. Mom is across from me, her eyes distant, transfixed on thoughts spiraling out her head. The air hangs like wet cloth. Between us, a mountain draws its silhouette. Everything surrounding us goes mute. Mom and I stare at each other, but don't look. A cave carves, holds the silence floating among us. She clenches her coffee. Wisp of steam stream through the plastic mouth. Her eyes daze away. The silence creaks in my bones. Before I know it, the mountain begins to form upon me. It outlines the soles of my feet, draws the map of veins. Heaviness runs throughout the whole of my body. I beg to let out sound, but the cave pinches my tongue. Mom's eyes finally connect with mine. The process of looking begins. Her hands rush to hold me but the mountain buckles higher before we touch. A valley forms, our tears river canals into its grasses. Sounds of sobs pound against the cave's wall mouth. She lunges to grab me again, only catches falling tears. All she can do is watch as the mountain engulfs me further. Her eyes speak arduous words. The silence, a prayer, everything now absent. My vision of her vanishes just like the body of me. The mountain bears my screams, bears my face, bears. Wow, thank you, Jay. Uh, whew, an amazing poem to close out an amazing night. Uh, it chills during that one too. Um, okay, I'm just gonna collect myself. 
and congrats on the publishing news. Was this one of the poems or not? This seems like it should be published. No, it wasn't. I, I was actually like, because these are the first two poems I've had selected to get published. Really? And I was, yeah. Well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> what, what has everyone been doing up until so, that point? Yeah, I was like very in shock to get like two acceptances in like three yeah. days. Well, surely there will be more. Uh, yeah. Man, it just feels like a crime. But I'm not surprised. People are stupid. Um, so just keep sending those poems out. <laughs> and uh, eventually people will wise up. Uh, yeah, and you should send this one out. Okay. Um, all right. Thanks, y'all. Uh, we're going to review. Uh, let me put in the chat again uh, the number to vote for Poem of the Month. 718-374-1953. And in fact... Uh, I realized that I need to uh, turn on turn on this phone, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that now. I'm gonna plug it in. Uh, don't worry if you text me, I will get your messages. Uh, but uh, just to, just to be safe, I'm gonna turn this puppy on. Um, okay, let's go back through the over mic list, and then I'm gonna I'm just gonna imagine at the end of this that I'm gonna eat a corn dog with kimchi on it, but. Uh, I think we're having pasta <laughs> That was Jay Eason. Uh, before Jay, we heard from Gabe Purpura. Before Gabe, we heard from Desiree Rucker, I believe, yes. Before Desiree from Ahmed Zayed. Before that, Arden Lees. Before Arden, Bill Livingston, not Skirmerhorn. Before Bill, Morgan Boyle, pre and post views on time. Before Morgan, Kim D. Brandon, a journey to four hours. Before Kim, Rebecca Hertz, binging laureates. Man, what a pleasurable open mic. I'm having, just having like dopamine hits as I go back to these poems. Before that, we heard from Vale Larkin, a fantastic poem, Wishes for the Pre Existing. Before Vale, Will Kiever, another great poem, American Heartbreak, Before Will, another great poem by Evans Pemba, I Mistook. Before that, we heard from Frank Rubino, Speech for 10,000, another great poem. Before Frank, another one, Bonnie Belay, Fall Winter Diary. Before Bonnie, we heard from Seth Leeper. Uh, I just got to review this line again. What was it? Despite my long estrangement from the Piscary. <laughs> I just love that line. Before Seth, I didn't skip one, did I? Yes, before Seth, we heard from, actually, I think we heard from Arthur Russell, but uh, going back to the document, we heard from Bridget Duffy. And uh, then we heard from Arthur Russell, Andrew from Burlington. I think we're almost back to the beginning. Yes, Stella Lee, notes from a Korean's wife. And I believe that takes us back to Debbie. Yes. Um, so uh, you can't vote for Debbie. I mean, you can. It's a free country, but Debbie is not technically on the open mic lineup. Uh, so uh, you can vote for anyone not named Debbie Kwan. Um, again, the number to vote for Poem of the Month, 718-374-1953. Just tell me the poet's name, and that will suffice as your vote. And again, the uh, winner of Poem of the Month Gets a Brooklyn Poets tote bag, first of all, and then gets a spot in our Poem of the Year contest in December and also gets uh, 
to uh, tickets to our awards gala in December. And uh, a lot of exciting stuff coming away for Brooklyn Poets. We are working on building out our uh, first brick and mortar space in Brooklyn Heights, 144 Montague Street. It is a reality. <laughs> the space does exist. Renee Kay was there last week, as was Emily Blair. I think they were doubting whether it was actually true. And uh, they gave me some good ideas. Uh, they're about to start painting soon. It's about to put some wood flooring in. And uh, the designer is uh, sending me 3D models. And of course, you know me, I'm sending him long emails <laughs> about things we need to do. Um, we're adding a second bathroom because I remember those long lines at 61 Local and they had two fucking bathrooms and they were still a long line. So there was one bathroom and... Uh, in fact, the owner suggested we put in a second one. So I'm like, okay, if you're okay with it, we're going to put a second bathroom in here. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great once we finish it. Hopefully that'll be the summer. Uh, we will see. Uh, my baby is due same time. <laughs> Figure out. We're going to see how good my planning is. <laughs> Whether I can make these two things happen at the same time without pissing my wife off. <laughs> and uh, with, without without falling over and collapsing because I have not gotten enough sleep. Uh, but I appreciate you all. Thanks again for coming. Again, the number to vote for Poem of the Month, 718-374-1953. A couple of announcements before we go. Again, our next craft lab with uh, Rick Barrett is coming up on April 10th. Early registration for that is already open, but our official announcement goes out tomorrow. Uh, this craft lab will focus on syntax. Uh, arguably my favorite subject as a poet. Uh, if you know my work, I love syntax. You really can't, in my opinion, write a good poem without it. Uh, and uh, Rick is focusing on lavish syntax, which I think is the best way to put it. If you don't know Rick Barrett's work, he's uh, one of the, one of the uh, best poets writing today, a Filipino-American poet uh, making his home in Tacoma, Washington. I wish he was closer, but uh, he does visit Brooklyn from time to time. And I think every time he visits Brooklyn, he told me once he just goes to Brooklyn Heights and he just, he spends some time there on the promenade reading. So now he can come to Brooklyn Poets, which will be great. He'll just drop in one day and be like, hey, Jason, what's up? I'm in town. Um, so sign up for that craft lab because great poet, great person. Uh, again, that's April 10th, early registration. You get $15 off through April 3rd. You can request financial aid through April 8th if you need more than $15 off. If you're a member, you get $25 off up until start of the lab 5 p.m on april 10th uh we do have a couple workshops that are still open to registration all the other ones are sold out uh there's one coming up with rosebud benoni uh on uh poetry and music videos i'm i'm stalling because i'm trying to look up the name of the workshop so i get it right that one is called uh similar to the title for debbie's but it's just a totally different subject it's called addicted to you don't You Know I'm Toxic, Poetry Desire, and the music video. Uh, some of you probably remember where that uh, Don't You Know I'm Toxic line is from. And then our last workshop of the season in the spring, Writing Revolutionary Love with Daryl Alejandro Holness, who some of you heard at our last uh, reading series event. Okay, uh, I won't bore you with any more announcements. Uh, our next, uh, sorry, <laughs> I do have one more, but I don't think this one will bore you. Our next YOP is on April 11th. The second Monday of the month, as usual, that one will be a special treat. It's going to be led by Luther Hughes, who will be leading the YAP for the first time. Some of you may remember Luther from uh, a reading that uh, Luther did for Staff Picks. I think that was last year, the year before. 
and uh, he's leading a workshop, uh, a single session workshop uh, this April, I believe it is. I'm gonna check when that is. Uh, yes, it I think is it's this. April seventh because I'm in. Yes, it. yes, you are. Yeah. April seventh. I love Luther. It's gonna be amazing. Everybody yeah. come back. It's gonna be so great. But yeah, yeah. it's April seventh. I can't wait. <laughs> popular poet uh it is already sold out unfortunately <laughs> but it Sorry. is called it is called the it is called the audacity of this blank <laughs> and uh you fill in the blank and uh it's a great subject uh but if you can't sign up for it anymore because it's sold out but you can sign up for the op and he will be leading something that is related to the theme of that workshop so again that is april 11th if you want to sign up for the open mic again i i encourage you to sign up right now don't wait because it will likely be full by tomorrow morning <laughs> quite possibly and it will definitely be full uh by the end of the week uh that that i could say for sure okay uh thanks again for listening again uh, if you want to listen to the open mic. We will publish this as a podcast. Usually it comes out a couple of weeks after the open mic. So look for that in a couple of weeks and you can subscribe to that on iTunes. All right. Thanks. Enjoy your corn dogs uh, in your kimchi and I'll see you uh, next month. Be well. Bye. Okay, there you have it, the Broken Poets Yop open mic for March 14th, 2022. Thanks to Deborah Kwan, the Poet Laureate of Wallingford, Connecticut, yopping with us. Uh, thanks to Debbie for leading a great workshop on uh, writing about family, the difficulty and the importance of writing about family. Um... And congrats to longtime yawper Bonnie Belay, but a relatively new virtual yawper Bonnie Belay for winning Poem of the Month for March for uh, her incredible poem, Fall Winter Diary. This is uh, part of an ongoing project Bonnie has, has had going on. An ongoing project that Bonnie has had going on for quite some time. Uh, sort of a diary-like poem and recording... Um, observations, thoughts, feelings over a series of days, and uh, boy, is she good at it. I can't wait to read that whole project, and uh, if there's any publisher out there, I'm sure you would be wise to publish that whole thing in book form. Uh, Our next yawp comes your way on April 11th. It will feature Luther Hughes, one of our uh, recently new teachers. This will be the first yawp that Luther uh, we'll be leading. Fantastic poet. Got a new book coming out later this year. Very excited about that. You can sign up for the YOP at brokenpoets.org. Go to events. Find YOP. Use the sign-up form. Sign up for the workshop and or the open mic and uh, pay for your ticket on Zoom. Uh, that's all we got. Uh, we've got an upcoming craft lab on April 10th with Rick Barrett. As I mentioned at the end of the podcast, or sorry, at the end of the YOP open mic. Uh, that's the day before the Luther Hughes Yop. You can still register for that craft lab. Uh, you can register through April 10th, really, uh, at the start of the lab at 5 p.m., but uh, early discount ends on April 3rd, $15 off. Uh, and you can request financial aid through April 8th. Uh, that's all the announcements I got. I'm going to run to a uh, boxing class, <laughs> get some exercise. I've been at my desk all day, which is not good for the body of the brain. So thanks for listening. 
We hope you'll rate us on iTunes, help spread the word, and uh, keep listening. We'll see you in April. <laughs>